and a very warm welcome my dear listener. We are coming to you live from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope, and the program is New Life with me, Eric Kevuti. Do stay tuned for a great show. Thank you for choosing our station. Today on Family Life segment, Lydia Acheng joins us to tell us more on giving marriage a fighting chance. Thereafter, Pastor Obed Soire will be coming in during the Bible segment. But before we do that, let's first get the song and Sikiae by Silver Cord Singers. Sit tight and enjoy. Oh, 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 
Welcome back, dear listener. You're listening to the New Life program coming to you live from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. And now on Family Life, Lydia Acheng joins us with more on giving marriage a fighting chance. Stay tuned. Dear listener, welcome to today's Family Life program. I'm your presenter, Lydia Aching. Today's topic is Give Marriage a Fighting Chance. Peace is not the absence of noise. Have you ever thought of that? It's particularly true in marriages. Perhaps you believe that if there are no loud words, no heated exchanges, essentially no fighting, everything must be okay. Problem is, if there is no fighting, it can mean there is no anything. There are a lot of marriages dying today in silent apathy. Men in particular, but women as well, can mistake routine for satisfaction. If everything is taken care of, the home is neat, the kids are bathed, the bills are being paid, the food is on the table, they believe everything is fine. When under the surface, there are a lot of ongoing and unsolved problems. What can you do to give your marriage a fighting chance? Here are three suggestions. First, settle the fact that your vows do matter. Your marriage commitment was for a lifetime. There is no out. You said I do. You need to live as though you meant it. Therefore, you must set aside all other priorities to make your marriage work. That's what a marriage is, by the way. It's work. You want to think of it as being nothing but pleasurable, existing to meet your expectations, but that's not reality. Think of it like a bank account. Your marriage is only going to grow as long as you're depositing more into it than you are withdrawing from it. Ask yourself, what more can I put into my marriage to show my spouse that I am truly committed to this relationship? Secondly, keep in mind the biblical principle to think not only of your own interests, but the interests of others. That means you are to make the marriage and your spouse more important than yourself and your perceived needs. Get behind the eyes of your husband or wife. See life like they do. Sacrifice yourself for the benefit of the marriage. Ask your spouse, What are some things you need from me that I am currently not providing for you? Finally, don't be afraid of conflicts. Instead, face them head on. 
They know how to make up, not remaining bitter or resentful, but instead letting the disagreement enhance your understanding and respect for each other. There are a lot of silent marriages that are really not at all peaceful. But there are those that have some conflict, sometimes even argumentative and angry, that are peaceful because those couples can resolve their conflicts in a biblical, appropriate, and constructive way. When you, as husband and wife, are able to solidify your commitment to the marriage, place your spouse ahead of yourself, go ahead and engage in conflict in a healthy way, you'll forever wake up the silent apathy in your marriage and begin moving toward the deeper affection and intimacy you need to keep it alive and growing. Till death do you part. And that's far more than just a fighting chance. I, Steve used to think that if there were no loud words or heated exchanges, then everything must be okay in our marriage. I was wrong. I was someone who was content with silent apathy. After many years of living under this delusion, I finally woke up to the face of the facts. Little irritations can grow into big resentments when they aren't properly dealt with and resolved so both marital partners are satisfied. Me and Cindy... But I had to wake up fast and then learn new skills to resolve conflict in healthier ways before our marriage truly had a fighting chance. I'm glad to say now that I am a recovering silent apathetic. I say recovering because I can still fall back into the old patterns of silent apathy, but I'm now totally committed to better face the issues we encounter. Cindy and I believe it's important for both of you to identify the weak areas of your lives, as we had to in ours, that can leave you vulnerable to all kinds of marital problems. It can be silent apathy, passive-aggressive behavior, yelling, lying, cheating, or any number of other character flaws and sins that need to be addressed. We must realize that the enemy of our faith knows our weak areas and will exploit them to the fullest to try to get us to wreck our marriages. Therefore, our best defense is a good offense. That means we don't shy away or ignore our problems. Rather, we identify those areas and find ways to correct them. Again, I like the way Dr. Carlson phrased it, fight for our marriages. That's one of the reasons we started marriage missions a number of years ago. We wanted to provide help to those who are married, not only to identify the issues that need attention, but also help find solutions to fight for the marriage in a way that honors God and strengthens the covenants they entered into on their wedding day. And because of that, we ask for your prayers. This ministry was born out of prayer, has been sustained by God through prayer, and will flourish both now and in the future because you are joining with us in prayer and support. Whatever we lack, we are trusting that God will provide. Together in the mission of our marriages and in the ministry God calls us to do to help others in their marriages, the challenge is to fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you are called, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. This material is provided by Marriage Missions International. Until next time, God bless you. For those who are just joining us, 
This is the new life program coming to you live from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. If you wish to drop your views, comments, or questions about the show, do so by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Or email us at awr to take a short break, here is a song, Brother Daniel, by Silver Cord Singers. Be blessed. Brother Daniel, where are you? For staying tuned, right about now, Pastor Albert Swahiri joins us for the Bible segment. He will be talking about love. Be blessed. Dear listener, I want to take this special moment to welcome you to this program today 
And I also want to thank you so much for making time to join us. I'm your presenter, Pastor Obed Soire. And today I want to really discuss a very, very important topic. It is probably one of the most popular topic, and also maybe something that is very, very difficult to define. And guess that what that is? It's a topic that has a four-letter word, L-O-V-E, love. Have you ever asked yourself, what is love? But before we get deeper into this discussion, I want to invite you to join me in prayer before we start. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you because through him we have learned what love is, and that uh, you've privileged us to experience your love through him. And it's in sending him to us that we've experienced it and we've seen it. And so we ask that you teach us today what love is and how to love others, because it's in doing so that we become more like Jesus. So we ask for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what is love? This was a question that one of my friends um, were discussing one time in a group. We met together and we were thrashing this very, very exciting topic. What is love? And so as a group, we went around and people tried to answer this question. And um, people came up with various answers, as you can imagine. Others said love is... Um, is a feeling and others said love is a decision others said love is a choice you make and uh, others also said that love is giving in fact i'm the one that made that comment i said that i believe that love above anything else love is giving the reason why i said that love is giving is because when you look through scripture you find that um, especially one of the most common verses that we find in scripture and that is John 3.16. It says that this is how God actually demonstrated his love. This is what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, in loving, he actually was prompted by love to give. I remember when I was in college, one man came and stood in, in, the, in the auditorium and said this one statement that I'll never forget, I think, in my life. He said, that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Think about that for a minute. How true is that? I mean, how can you claim that you love somebody and not be able to have that giving spirit about the whole experience? We've got to have that. Now, I want to say this very powerful statement, that love is not something that is taught. Love is caught. In other words, if you want to teach somebody what true love is, you're not going to put him in a classroom and try to give him lessons on how to love people. You actually have to love that person for him to be able to understand and interpret what love is. Because there are things in life that you just cannot learn by just teaching. It is rather by experience that you get to learn. For example, People do not learn how to ride a bicycle by going to class and being taught how to balance that bicycle in one way or another. But it's rather because they have to get themselves on that bicycle and experience what it means to ride a bicycle, that they learn how to ride a bicycle. Yes, they can come and, you know, experience one fall after another, but it's through that experience that we actually learn how to ride a bicycle. That is a very, very true same thing when it comes to love. Love 
has to be caught through that experience. And God understood this very well. And that is why when you get to the book of First John chapter 4, verse 10, this is what the Bible says, very powerful. It says, this is love. So John is trying to define love to us. He says, this is love. He goes on to say, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So do you struggle to love people? Are there people in your life that have hurt you, that have made you feel like you can never, ever really love them? That is a challenge we struggle with in every day of our lives. But this is a fact today, that the only way you're going to love people, the only way you're going to love those that are so unlovable in your life, guess what? It is only after you've experienced the love that God has for you. And the only way you're going to understand and experience this love that God has for you, it is by looking at what he has already done in giving his only begotten son to die for you and for your sins, that you can now have hope for eternal life. So with this understanding, you begin to be a giver because you've experienced how much God has given to you through his son you suddenly become a giver. You give people a second chance. You give people another opportunity. You, you give room in your heart for people. It is in demonstrating that love that God hopes that we actually can learn to love others. So my prayer for you and uh, myself today, listener, is that in experiencing the love that God has for you, you and I can learn how to love others so much because I believe it's in loving others that we become more and more like Jesus Christ. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you for love, and we ask that you teach us through your Holy Spirit what it means to love others. And so we ask for your help. Teach us how, in Jesus' name. Amen. for staying tuned throughout the show. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Don't forget to send your views, suggestions or questions about the show by writing to the producer Adventist World Radio PO Box 42276 code 00100 Nairobi Kenya. Email us at awrnairobi at right here, I've been your host, Eric Kevuti. Stay blessed. Yeah.
Yeah, fuck it. 